This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We're uh, getting to the end of Crypto Week, yes. a week where we've learned a lot. Yes, uh, a lot. probably a lot about how we don't know a lot about yeah, crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our lack of knowledge has really been found out and I'm highly confident when I say uh, we'll never feel like we know less than at the end of this interview, <laughs> speaking to a true crypto expert. Yes, but yes. I'm excited because um, we're going to learn a lot in the next hour. We are. And it is our, our pleasure to welcome uh, Alex Saunders from Nuggets News to Equity Mates. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, look, I'm even more excited now that I've heard a, a, a dad joke. Uh, what was it? Beginning to dividend. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh. Wow. No, I'm, I'm one for a dad joke. So. <laughs> look, we're uh, marketing geniuses over here at uh, Equity Mates. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, for those of you who uh, haven't heard of Alex before, um, as, as Ren has said, he is... Um, well known within the the crypto circle has a has a trusted sort of uh, voice. Um, he's been immersed in cryptocurrency since discovering Bitcoin back in 2012, and has a unique investment style that combines fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and market sentiment as uh, key drivers in decision making. And we're going to unpack a lot of that. Alex's passion led him to leave his successful career as a head pharmacist in 2017 to found Nuggets News. Um, and as I said, he's a trusted voice in the Australian crypto community uh, and conducts many sort of speaking engagements and and is also quite large on YouTube. So we are going to be going back to basics when it comes to uh, crypto today because as much as Ren and I like to try and explain what on earth is going on, I think Alex is going to be able to do I a better so. job. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Alex, we always like to start with a game, and given that this is a, a crypto week, we'll we'll slightly uh, change it up here. But Ren, do you want to take it away? Yeah, sure. So the game we uh, like to play is called Overrated or Underrated, and we just uh, we throw out a few different uh, investing themes or concepts just to get your thoughts on uh, whether they're overrated or underrated at the moment. Uh, most of these will be crypto related, so I'm sure they'll be right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> and uh, we'll start yeah. with the. The man that grabs all the headlines, I feel, these days. Uh, overrated or underrated, Elon Musk tweeting about crypto. Oh, no. I I don't think you can overrate that. Like, that's literally <laughs> the biggest news on earth. So, um, <laughs> under, underrated, yeah. <laughs> overrated or underrated, uh, Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. Uh, cu- currently, it's probably being underrated. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, why? Why is that? Because people have written it off almost as a payment system for micropayments and that. But I'll I'll tell you why that's a a whole nother reason to be bullish. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in that one. Uh, I guess the flip side of that question is then overrated or underrated Bitcoin as a store of value. Globally, like because we've got such low adoption, then yeah, it's, it's still being underrated. Yeah. Uh, overrated or underrated altcoins, otherwise known as shitcoins in some communities. <laughs> uh, they, they go through cycles and at the moment being overrated. Uh, I feel like the biggest uh, the biggest crypto story of the last couple of weeks has been uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Uh, overrated or underrated NFTs? Uh when Lindsay Lohan is, is tweeting about it, overrated, but in terms of the actual technology, massively underrated. I didn't actually know Lindsay Lohan was tweeting about it. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get up to speed on her Twitter feed again. <laughs> uh, overrated or underrated, the stock market? The, the stock market has almost become a necessary part of everyone's lives to stay in front of the eight ball, which is a sad proposition so it's probably underrated for the average person that doesn't doesn't know that they're going to need to invest to not fall behind i think in life i think you're really playing to your audience here we obviously think it's underrated so (laughs) good answer (laughs) and then uh final question um the asset class that every australian uh i guess thinks about all the time um uh overrated or underrated australian residential property Oh, I thought you were going to say gold miners. I was just like gold miners. Uh, uh, property. Um, oh, it's just it's so overrated in Australia. It, it's not funny, and that's going to come back to haunt us big time. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so, Alex, before we get into the nuts and bolts of blockchain and crypto, uh, we do want to get a bit of information on your background, and that generally starts with the story of our guest's very first investment. So, are you able to share with us the story of? Your first, I guess, foray into crypto, how it happened, um, and yeah, I mean, any sort of lessons that you've taken from that moment? My first investment before that was like probably gold and silver or in shares. Do you want to go into that or do you just want like my first crypto? Let's let's go first crypto. Yeah. That's, that's what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> oh, well, it was Bitcoin. So back in 2012, Bitcoin was $10 when I found it and read about it as an article on Zero Hedge. Uh, and you, I couldn't find how to buy it in Australia at that time. Uh, and so I didn't get around to buying it until 2013. Um, and I was late to the party because I think it had spiked to like 200 and then crashed back down to 50 or $30 or something like that. So that was when you could buy it in Australia. And at that stage, there was Coin, Coin Jar, who is still around today. 
uh, and there was a couple other little exchanges and um, I used one of those ones that was seemed easier at the time and turned out to be a bad decision because a little bit like Mount Gox, a lot of those early exchanges got hacked or went under or whatever. So, yeah, I guess they were sort of all little learning lessons where I lost a lot of Bitcoins, like like a lot of people in the early days with those dodgy exchanges. But that taught you how to, um, you know, store it yourself and learn how to do it all yourself. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the stories of lost Bitcoin and what they're worth today are uh, yeah. a heartbreaking. Anxiety inducing. Yeah. Um, so mm. uh, we, we often ask uh, the expert investors we get on the show um, if they have an investing philosophy. And, you know, with when you're talking about stock market investing, I guess there are a number of different philosophies that you can talk about. Um, so with crypto, we're not really sure if that question applies. So first question, can you have a crypto investing philosophy and then... Uh, if you can, what what would you say yours is? Yeah, yeah, you have to in, in crypto because everyone sort of says, oh, you, you can't value these things. And even two years ago, three years ago, we were doing our videos four years ago called Fundamental Analysis. And people were laughing saying, you can't do fundamental analysis on a crypto. Um, and so you've got to fall into one of three or four buckets. So there's obviously technical analysis, so just the traders that look at the charts, uh, and then you've just got the long-term hodlers who are just buying Bitcoin <laughs> and, and holding for the long-term sorry, store of value sort yeah. of thing. Uh, and then you've kind of got uh, in between. So you've got fundamental analysis, people that are really looking at which of these are taking off. And these days there are coins with like cash flows and sales to volume. Um, and, you know, you can look at some of these metrics. Um, and then you've got narrative investors, which is almost like the stock market these days. You know, look at things like GameStop or, or Tesla. Some of these things are literally just trading on narrative and social media hype and momentum and sentiment. So that's why that's been a big prong of what what we do. And without even kind of knowing that that was our formula using three or three different things, very much um, it's become a mainstream sort of idea now that in crypto you kind of have to be like a narrative investor. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Something that. I couldn't tell you how to start trying to uh, value a stock, uh, crypto on fundamentals or whatever. So looking forward to sort of unpacking that in a bit. But I think now's a good chance to turn to Nuggets News and um, just sort of unpack a little bit about when did you start that and, and what are you trying to achieve at Nuggets News? You know, I think it's a great resource, but I'll hand over to you to kind of give it the plug. <laughs> um, so... Well, before Nuggets News, it was World News and it was a little group of like kind of schoolmates, friends friends and family um, and we just had like a little Facebook sort of group chat and we'd drop in articles about what was going on around the news, like really big sort of um, controversial stuff or market moving events, conspiracy theories and there's a few of us that were into like gold and silver and a bit of investing. Um, a couple of mates that are in the property market. So we just kind of had that like that mix of um, – chat and conversation going on uh, and that's when I started annoying all of them with, with Bitcoin from 2013 onwards and they all sort of laughed it off and then they missed the boat but then Ethereum came along in 2015, 2016 and that's when they, they were like, okay, we missed Bitcoin, let's not miss this next big thing that Alex is talking about and, and most of them jumped on Ethereum back when it was about 5 $6 and then in 2017, that's when the first wave of like public mainstream sort of attention came on crypto and it led to that big bubble. And at that time, there was all these Facebook groups popping up like, you know, Bitcoin this, crypto that. And a lot of my friends were sort of adding me to all these groups and 
I was, I guess, answering questions and putting out posts and sort of helping people and everyone was a beginner. So I kind of put together a resource of, hey, this is like step one, you sign up, how to buy, go to these sites, avoid these sites um, and pin that post in a lot of groups and the moderators and that were like, hey, you know, that's that's helpful and people like you should, you know, do a video on how to buy and I was like, you know, you write repeat questions every day. I might as well do a video and create these kind of like resources for people. And so day one was like how to buy Bitcoin in Australia. And it was just a terrible low quality video on my old <laughs> Samsung S4. I think it was leaning up against the couch and my mate messaged me afterwards saying, you know, the camera was like looking at me a nose half the time. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's try and do a little bit better job for video number two, which was, um, you know, how do you store Bitcoin or what do you do after you've bought it? And every day just from more questions or questions in the comments of the YouTube from the day before, um, I was just doing what people were kind of asking for. And this was while I was working full-time at the pharmacy and I I was kind of unhappy at my job at that stage. It was getting to a bit of a dead end where uh, like healthcare and all that is a whole other kettle of fish that I just think is such a poor system and people don't really care about health these days and whatever. So I was looking for maybe a career change or something anyway, uh, right when this was all blowing up. And so uh, a few months into 2017, probably September-ish when YouTube was starting to grow pretty well, um, one guy reached out to me who was actually a young banker and he said, oh, look, I'm happy to pay you for your time to help me get set up because this is still so confusing. And so I said, oh, look, I'm happy to like just help you out and jumped on a video chat and he insisted on paying me and I was like, oh, okay. And he said, you know, lawyers and all these specialists charge so much for their time and, you know, you're a specialist or expert in this field. You should start up like a paid service or a paid group and I'd never thought about it too much before and I thought, oh, you know, I'd signed up to a few of those services where the guys give you their charts or their updates for, you know, different markets and thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try that. And we just started a Facebook group um, and before you know it, we had a few hundred people join and I thought, wow, this is probably getting to a point where I could turn it into a business and live off it. And so one of my mates had just been made redundant in Australia posts and he came on as like uh, admin to keep up with all the people wanting to join and whatever. Uh, and I was still at work full time while this other guy was pretty much working full time for me. <laughs> and then uh, we got into like October, November. And I, if you remember, that's when Bitcoin was going like 10,000, 15,000 mm-hmm. parabolic back in December. Uh, it, hit, it hit that peak. And so I had another young guy at the cricket club where I played at who was like a high school dropout, sort of like building websites, already had two businesses and he was 16. And he came around and he's like, oh, what's this crypto thing? This is really cool. What have you got going? Going on and he sort of saw it all and he fell in love with it and he started to do less and less of his own stuff and like want to work for for me and nuggets news so he'd just pop around every day um so i'd come home from working full time and the young fella would be at my kitchen table with his laptop and other mate would be there and they'd be like when are you gonna quit your job like <laughs> i was like you know what you're right so i've got to start cutting back and my wife was a bit nervous because we had our wedding cutting coming up we wanted to start a family and i was telling her that i'm going to quit my job as a pharmacist to make youtube videos it's like nah you're not allowed to do that (laughs) and so i kind of i quit without telling her um and and that went down like a lead balloon i think it was one night we're out and um she found out that i'd quit she didn't know i hadn't been going to work and (laughs) that'll that'll boiled over anyway um you've got to take these risks i guess in life and i was just so passionate and confident that this space was going to take off that i knew that i wasn't doing anything stupid uh, and so, yeah, I finally got to the point where I was working full-time on crypto 
Uh, and at this stage, we probably had a thousand people join this group, and we're just charging twenty five dollars a month. Uh, and so it was enough to pay the wages for the three of us and start to build a business. Um, and then, yeah, the, the bubble kind of burst. And that was almost a good thing to have that crypto winter of two years um, to build a business and go through really hard times. Um, and, and we did a lot of research during that period. And funnily enough, we probably had 90% of people stay with us, whereas every other like crypto group and YouTube channel had 90% of people leave or stop watching. Um, and once we started to see the green shoots out the other side of that crypto winter in 2019, 2020, and this year, all that research that we did, which we'll get into, um, has paid off. And we've probably had you know nearly a dozen investments that have gone up 100x from, from doing that fundamental research, which people said wasn't possible. And, and so that's where we've built like a really strong uh, loyal following because you know we never did any paid promotion um, and we did that you know, fundamental research and a lot of people have done very well now and, um, you know, word of mouth spreads and you build that trust in a sector where there's just so many scammers and, yeah, I guess that's kind of the story of Nuggets News. Yeah, nice. It's a fascinating story. I've got to ask, um, you quit your job without uh, telling your wife. You got through that, then Bitcoin crashed and I think it was, what, 90% down from its all-time highs. Uh, what was What was the conversations like at that time? Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they were tough conversations. I was, we were probably lucky that, uh, like everything else, was kind of going well in that stage. So, you know, the wedding went well. Um, Gemma happened to get pregnant pretty much straight away. And so then we had, you know, the baby and we had, yeah, it was just sort of a good time and a good stage in our lives. And we live, in, live down in Tassie. So, if you know, if we're paying off a million-dollar mortgage in Sydney, it might have been a little bit more stressful. But we were both doing okay. So, we didn't have, you know, too many financial stresses that way. Um, but it was very, very testing period towards the end of crypto winter where even one of the guys that worked for me, you know, I don't think they were as true believers as me. So, they seriously didn't know if Bitcoin was a bubble that had popped. And they were saying to themselves, how long can we keep going on like this with everything going down? And you saying that oh, it'll get better soon, and one of them, um, yeah, asked to leave, and so it was down to just two of us, and we were losing money uh, at that stage as a business, uh, and yeah, we had some pretty tough conversations then with the wife and with the other partner, um, and it's just it's always darkest before the dawn, isn't it? And, and just like the dot com bubble, that period weeded out a lot of scams, a lot of bad businesses, a lot of the pretenders, um, and yeah, here we are, and it's just. 18 months later, we've now got 20 plus staff and I just can't believe how quickly that sort of period's happened. So Alex, let's start from the top. Uh, this is Crypto Week and we want to give uh, our audience as much sort of uh, basic information as they can because it's a very, very confusing world out there. What is blockchain? Let's start with blockchain. What is blockchain and uh, why is it important and considered revolutionary? Um, I, I think with this whole space, it's somewhat confusing to people because people don't understand some of the other concepts that it's relating to. So a lot of people don't really understand money or people don't really understand computers, for example. So when you say, what is a blockchain? Um, well, a blockchain is just a, a database or a, a, a sort of a storage mechanism. And a lot of people don't really understand what databases are. So let's just say the Commonwealth Bank, for example, or Facebook as a company, these businesses have got heaps of computers somewhere, heaps of servers with all their information and data on it. Um, and so that's all warehoused somewhere by that company. 
Um, and, and so that's the computer system, the backbone of everything that they do. And so if we say, okay, well, what is a blockchain in comparison? Well, a blockchain is a database where all of us, 10,000 10, people around the world currently, um, all have um, the database or the information of Bitcoin or of Ethereum. Uh, and so they all have a copy on their hard drive or their computer is the way to think about it. And the way that information gets added to that hard drive is one block at a time. So in Bitcoin's case, every 10 minutes, um, the network agrees to add another megabyte or so of information. And so we just call that a block and it's added to the chain. All the computers around the world, it's kind of like a heartbeat. Every 10 minutes they agree, oh, yep, that's the next um, update to this database or ledger of information that everyone has. So does does that make sense? Or do you have any other questions about that? Uh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. I guess for people who are then wondering, uh, okay, so it's changing the way we, uh, I guess, store uh, information, um, but why does that matter? So why, why is blockchain important? Good follow-up. So where that's important, let's go back to the previous example. So at the moment, Commonwealth Bank or Facebook, they're in charge and they get to make all the decisions. They've got all the power. They've got all the data um, over those those hard drives or that system. Whereas in, in this system, in, in Bitcoin's system, it's those 10,000 users that all have they all have that information and that, and that data. So they they kind of all have an equal weight or say or power over the system. So no one person or one company can ever um, change the data or make a decision and change the network. Uh, and so if I say, hey, I want to send you 100 Bitcoins and that heartbeat of the network says, hold on, you've only got 10, you can't cheat the system because everyone's got a copy of that. Or if I say, I don't like that person, you know, Commonwealth Bank have shut down our accounts and every crypto uh, company has had their accounts shut down by a bank over the years. And that's just, you know, one person in a room getting to push a button and freeze someone's account because they have complete control over that system. Uh, and so in this parallel universe of blockchains, the users have control over the systems and the protocols and the apps. And, and you know, the government or a regulator or... Uh, a corporation or a board can't change the rules or censor someone's account, take down their YouTube video, delete their Facebook page. You know, none of that can happen in this world where it's controlled by the users. And so what we're doing, the follow-on from that is removing all these uh, middlemen. And a lot in this modern world, there's a lot of rent-seeking and, you know, crony capitalism. And so by removing the middleman in the bank's example, I can pay you directly peer-to-peer -peer a payment with Bitcoin or another crypto. Or with Ethereum, I can upload artwork or a song and sell it to the, to the users and a record uh, label doesn't take 90% of the fee. And so we're cutting out the middleman in all these different industries uh, and that's making, you know, reducing costs, just making a far better frictionless system, but a fairer system, and just opening up not only finance, but you know, commerce and and everything. So anything digital, anyone with a device can connect to this new system and start to interact with other people on this system. So then, uh, I guess the next question is: if you understand blockchain, where does then cryptocurrency fit into fit into that, and how how would you define cryptocurrency? Um, so most most cryptocurrencies use blockchain as their underlying technology, and that's 
that's because they want that system that's decentralized. Um, and so they all have a kind of similar heartbeat, whether it's 10 minutes for Bitcoin or Litecoin says, hey, we'll do it a bit faster. We'll have two minute blocks. And some coins say, well, we'll be more private versus, um, you know, we'll be open. So all these different cryptos have got slight different nuances, but most of them um, use the, the blockchain technology for that feature of being decentralized where it's a network where there's no one warehouse. It's up to the users um, to set the rules and to run the network. And that's basically because they're trying to, I guess, mirror Bitcoin in the early days. A lot of these other cryptos were trying to be monies of sort, you know, currencies. But these days, just the array of digital assets and businesses it's most of them aren't trying to be currencies at all. So we call them cryptocurrencies, but most of them aren't trying to be currencies. So that's, I guess, pretty confusing for people. Can you, yeah, to, to make that less confusing, are you able to give an example of a, a cryptocurrency that's not trying to be a currency and what its actual function is? For sure. So even Ethereum is really trying to build like a new internet. As I said before, they want to build a layer um, instead of YouTube and Facebook and, and Apple and all these big corporates kind of having control and a say over who gets to do what. Ethereum's trying to build this new system where anyone can build an app or do a video or share information and reward each other. And the currency, I guess you can call it a currency or the token is Ether or Ethereum, but it's not really trying to be like a, a currency per se or another example might be oh, i'm just trying to think down a list uh, of a really good one power ledger the australian company you know they're trying to do peer-to-peer -peer, like energy trading so you can if you have excess solar power you know you can um, sell it to your neighbors or they can buy it off you and so the token is kind of used in that little system as a as a way to uh, maybe pay each other so it has currency aspects but it also has lots of other utilities. So there's many tokens that are trying to do lots of different things that aren't trying to be money. So another good example would be, oh, let me bring up the list here and trying to think of some common ones that you might have heard of. Is there any that you guys have heard of that you had questions about? I've, I've got some that uh, might be good examples to illustrate. Uh, I thought they were conceptually quite straightforward. Tell me if these coins are uh, you know out of business or anything. Uh, Golem? which is basically try like if you have excess computing power, you can uh, offer it to other people and get paid their tokens and then they can use your excess computing power. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to go uh, too deep down the rabbit hole straight away, but, um, <laughs> Classic but that's, that's probably one of the, a great example and a project I really like. So excess computing power. So you think about Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud. These are all things that are being replaced in the crypto world. Uh, so, yeah, if you have excess file storage or excess computing power, that token becomes a way to, to pay people or incentivize people to join your system and to um, rent out their spare hard drive space or their spare computer power. So in the gaming world, a lot of these tokens are used to buy in-game items or to buy digital land, to go into competitions um, you know, we've got the whole world of pegged coins. So something might be pegged to gold, pegged to silver, uh, pegged to a US dollar, a stable coin. So there's a whole spectrum of different coins that 
some of them have currency aspects. Um, others have almost no monetary aspects. So I'm going to pull us out of the weeds, which is unconventional for me. It's normally Bryce pulling us out. Um, but I think, uh, you know, there's a whole world of different cryptocurrencies, different tokens uh, out there. How should people think about Bitcoin in relation to, I guess, the universe of other currencies out there? Is Bitcoin kind of like the US dollar equivalent, like reserve currency, and then there's all these other ones around it? Or yeah, what's the relationship between Bitcoin, which seems to grab all the headlines, and then every all these other coins? So Bitcoin uh, is 11 years old now. Uh, it was the first one, so it's got that first mover advantage and sort of brand name, uh, but it's definitely the most important. Um, so Bitcoin is really trying to... It started off more as a payments network, and as it grew, I guess... It was a, a money, a, a currency of sorts, and because of what happened in the macro backdrop with all this money printing and whatnot, I I kind of think it became more important as a store of value versus a medium of exchange over time. So Bitcoin is definitely the king. Um, I tell people that you've got to start there, get your head around Bitcoin and blockchain before you even think about these other coins. Um, so the biggest opportunity that we have is probably building a new financial system and a new type of money because of the way that the world's going but then the second biggest opportunity and the second blue chip cryptocurrency is ethereum Th those two are far and away bigger and more important than than all the rest of them and ethereum is trying to rebuild you know the internet the, the way that we share digital information online so money financial system you know digital information internet probably the two biggest opportunities you know in the world and th that's what those two are doing and so what do you think the role of bitcoin will be in like 10 years time will it still be considered the the currency or is it is it going to be more of a gold function combination of the two where do you kind of see the major role bitcoin is very static or it's almost like a like a digital monetary measuring stick bitcoin doesn't really change much so bitcoin is people say bitcoin's super volatile that's because it's undergoing this like rapid adoption curve to to billions of people and into a world that's got trillions of dollars. Um, but ultimately, that'll all stabilize once it grows to a certain point and reaches adoption. Um, but if you think about all Bitcoin is doing is absorbing this, you know, US government increase M1 money supply by 25% last year. And so it's all these fiat currencies around the world, you know, Zimbabwe, um, Argentina, Venezuela, hyperinflation. Is it is it Bitcoin that's going up or is it just all these other currencies and the value of everything being debased and going down as central banks are going crazy around the world? And that's the way I think about it. So Bitcoin is very, very static and almost boring. Um, and it's just, it's almost showing you what is happening outside of it. It's becoming the denominator. So I see it becoming... Um, definitely a tier one asset. You'll see central banks, we're already seeing, you know, hedge funds and that hold it. You're going to see, well, Iran's central bank already hold Bitcoin. So you're going to see it just have this massive uptake like like gold, you know, Russia and China stockpiling gold. Um, central banks and governments will start to hold Bitcoin as a tier one asset and it'll be considered as good as a US government bond within two years. Wow, that, hold on, that's a huge call. <laughs> You reckon it, it'll be considered as safe as a US Treasury bond in the next two years? Stable coins have gone from less than a billion dollars in value to f over $50 billion in value in a year. Um, so within another one or two years, stable coins will have a market cap of a trillion dollars and their daily turnover is like one to 10 of the market cap. 
And so within one or two years, stable coins will be doing one to $10 trillion a day in turnover. And, and that, that'll be up there competing with Forex markets. And so, yeah, stable coins are going to be replacing Forex markets and Bitcoin is going to be a tier one asset as, as large as gold within a couple of years. Jeez, big call. Um, where, let's, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to uh, get stuck into the conversation about actually investing in crypto. So um, before then, uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Alex, you've, uh, you've just come out with a big call that uh, Bitcoin's going to be a tier one asset and uh, stable coins are going to be replacing Forex markets uh, very soon. Um, so... Obviously, we're not. No one here is giving investment advice, um, and Bryce and I are still trying to learn about this whole world. But if people are interested in investing in Bitcoin, I guess how, how do you approach? I guess the research process, finding out what to invest, uh, invest in, and then um, you know, like implementing an actual strategy. Yeah. Uh, so it's really important to note that um, Bitcoin and crypto moves in these cycles. Uh, you've probably seen the Wall Street cheat sheet, you know, the emotional, you know, burst and have you seen, you know what I'm talking about where the charts go parabolic and people get... Do you, you mean you mean like the cycle of like uh, euphoria and then it tops and then like a, it goes down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the Bitcoin four-year chart, it looks exactly like that and it has this, that same pattern every four years because of the Bitcoin halving cycle where the new amount of Bitcoins gets more scarce. We can get into that later, but basically it shows you that Bitcoin is an emotionally driven um, asset as it goes through this adoption curve. And um, now is not a good time to be pouring all your money into Bitcoin. So I'd say that first and foremost. Like if in the middle of crypto winter, I was singing from rooftops that, you know, now's a good time <laughs> to be buying when there's blood in the streets and no one's interested and now it's 60K everyone wants to buy it. Mm. So people do the wrong thing at the wrong time. But you guys probably see that all the time in the stock world as well. Um, so in crypto, if you're getting started, the best way to do it is just buy a little bit and, and get your hands dirty and, and send some Bitcoin just to yourself on another wallet on your phone. You know, just have a play around with it all. Um, but most people end up dollar cost averaging where they use a service or an app or one of the Aussie exchanges and they just buy 50 or $100 a week of Bitcoin out of their, um, their paycheck as well as if they're trying to be a trader or investor lump sum, like at least buy a little bit every few weeks apart. Just just don't go all in at once, and particularly at the moment when we're in a hype cycle and the, the charts are going parabolic. Like that's the mistake that beginners make. 
time and time again is buying the top when Bitcoin's in the news, which is late cycle. So, yeah, um, if you're getting started, you know, use websites like ours or trusted exchanges and get the basics down pat because people go wrong when they don't understand passwords or keywords or private keys. And in this in this world where you're your own bank, you know, anything you do wrong, um, you know, your crypto is gone. There's no one to call. Yeah, you can't can't call the uh, credit card fraud hotline. <laughs> uh, now we we agree that uh, the dollar cost averaging strategy is a great one, um, and especially if you can do a micro investing dollar cost averaging strategy and just put a little bit in uh, at a time. Uh, if people do want to do that, they should go to uh, getbamboo.io. We've partnered with the guys from Bamboo. If you enter the uh, code EquityMates when you sign up, you'll get $10 in the asset allocation of your choice, um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, gold or silver. Alex, I have a question uh, around the Bitcoin or the crypto winter that you talk about. You know, If you're expecting that uh, the market cap of uh, stable coins is to be a trillion in two years, but now's not the time to buy because it's at 60k when <laughs> is the next buying opportunity going to come if we're going to be looking at it 10 times multiple over the next two years how, how, how do you think about that so stable coins aren't investable so stable coin growth will continue like regardless of the crypto market cycle uh, and, and that's simply because of how much better they, they are so literally visa have come out and said hey we're adopting ethereum PayPal have come out and said we're adopting stable coins. All these big banks are starting to use these protocols um, literally because I can send you one US dollar stable coin anywhere on the planet if you've got a, a smartphone or a digital device. Basically instant instant for free. We're, you know, Imagine trying to do that like in a bank, like send from Russia to Zimbabwe, send a dollar. I can't even imagine how long it would take and how expensive it would be. And so this system, the banks these days are all—they're going to get to the point, or they already are, where you deposit a dollar, and then the bank is using Ethereum. And so we can bypass this whole system. And if people learn this, which they are, and stablecoins have had huge uptake in these countries that don't have good financial systems, you know, anyone can hold US dollars or an Aussie dollar stablecoin. Um, and, and, you know, they get out of their own hyperinflating currency or if they, they don't have a bank or they don't have that infrastructure, now they have a digital wallet and they can put their life savings in a stable coin rather than, you know, watch that currency be censored or taken away from them or bailed in or whatever it is. So that's why stable coins have, have really taken off. Hey, Alex, can I, um, can I uh, try and unpack that in a really simple way and you tell me if I've understood stable coins or not? Um, yeah, and then I'll answer your question. I didn't even answer your question. <laughs> That's okay. I think I think because I, I I got a little bit lost there. And I'm sure people listening may have if they're not familiar with stable coins. But is yes. the basic concept that if well, I want to send Australian dollars to Bryce, I have to go to a bank and then the bank has to send it to Bryce's bank and it shows up in Bryce's account and there's a whole bunch of administration and record keeping that goes on between those institutions and because of that there's fees and there's costs involved, and there's time involved. Whereas if I want to send one Australian dollar stable coin to Bryce, because it's recorded on a like a blockchain ledger, it's more efficient and lower cost. Is that is that the value add? Is that the idea? 
Yeah, pretty much. So even let's say that like you're in Russia and um, Bryce in Zimbabwe, you know, and let's go back to our banking example at the start. There's Commonwealth Bank and their computers and all their overheads, and then it's got to go to the SWIFT system. And so then it's probably got to go to a US dollar and a US bank somewhere. And then it's got to go along all these different hops to finally get to Zimbabwe from Russia. You know, so that the current banking system is just horrible. And that's why it's so slow. Uh, at each hop, there's like Forex fees and, and all these different overheads. Um, and so let's just replace all that system and say anyone that has a digital device can be connected to Bitcoin or Ethereum and, you know, these stable coins. Um, and they just, yeah, it just gets set out. And in the heartbeat of the blockchain, that transaction is just, um, you know, it's processed and it just goes from A to B and that's it. Mm. So let's move on to investing in cryptos and bitcoins. Alex, you do a, a fair bit of research um, as part of Nuggets News, and um, you know you've com- a combination, as you said, of, of fundamental and, and technical analysis and that sort of stuff. W- what is your research process? I guess there's what six thousand seven hundred coins out there, or something ridiculous. How do you start to think about the universe and and I guess breaking down your I guess, watch list into actual investments and then, yeah, going yeah. from there. Uh, so to start off with, definitely like the the big picture of where are we in the cycle, as you just said. And currently, I think we're probably due for a little bit of a correction if we want to have um, a, a nice big second run. So I think this bull, current bull market can last for another year or maybe two and then it'll have you know it's one or two year sort of correction as well. So that's where I think we are in the really big picture um, of all that and you have to be aware of where we are in the cycle because if we're in the middle of crypto winter and there's blood in the streets then obviously it's a great time to get out your shopping list as, and you're probably going to do better no matter what you pick whereas at the moment if you go out there and buy all these things that are up 100x you're probably not setting yourself up um, you know for the best returns in terms of risk to reward so yeah first of all you want to be aware of where we are in the, in the big cycle um, so then you want to look at the the market caps of these coins so if something is very early on or relatively unknown in the crypto world you know you're talking 10 million dollar sort of market cap you know, that's where projects tend to start and then as they really mature like a good project can get up towards a billion dollars and then the top 10 are you know multi Top ten coins out there currently, you know, multi multi uh, billion, and Bitcoin is the one that's reached a trillion dollars in market cap. So it's just that's the kind of general size um, and very very roughly like of how the market looks at valuations of things. Um, and to extrapolate from that a little bit further, it's a little bit like the tech world. I guess you can argue that well, how are these things valued? Is it network effects? Is it future earning potential? You know, Metcalf's law. People are looking at things like that. So, how many users do they have? How many active wallet addresses are there? You know, the, how many owners of the token? You can look at the on-chain data. So, all the blockchain data is open and public for everyone to look at. So, we can see that. Oh, look! All the owners of that um, token have have held it for two years and they've never sold any. And so, it shows you that that community is really confident in the coin. Versus a coin, you can say, Oh, look at that. Um, all the owners dumped it as soon as they got on an exchange. You know, we can see that sort of information. And so that that can tell you a lot about what's happening. So that's kind of the on-chain um, fundamental data that we look at. Uh, and so then in terms of fundamentals, we see how many people are like using this, this app or this protocol or playing this game um, or selling NFTs through this, 
this uh, website. Like how many people are using this each day? And you can see, well, how much are they paying in fees? And you can start to say, well, it's almost the earning potential. And some of these actually do pay out a percentage of revenue or they will like burn tokens, kind of like a share buyback. Um, and, and, and so there's these different mechanisms that protocols have to deliver value to the token holders um, or because the token holders are the owners of the network, they have like governance or voting rights and decision-making power. And at the moment, because it's just all rapid adoption and expansion, a lot of these token holders will in future probably vote to change to, um, to pay themselves out more of the profits. Whereas at the moment, it's all about giving out incentives, like giving out tokens to people that come and use your protocol or adopt it. And so, yeah, we're, we're really just experimenting with um, different like metrics of how to get new users. How do you get people involved in governance and voting? Um, who should own a network and have a say? Versus you think about the old world, old world it's just like boards, CEOs making decisions and it's all about profit, you know, users a second. So this is the new model that a lot of it is experimentation and unknown. Mm. When you say uh, under- need to understand where we're at in the cycle, um, are you referring to like the halving cycle of Bitcoin and how that sort of tends to do that every four year, bit of a correction back down and then up again we go and then that sort of just continues? Is that broadly what you're talking about? Yes. So like all things remaining equal, supply and demand, when Bitcoin, the amount of new Bitcoins that comes into circulation halves, you know, you would think that that would end up with a doubling in price. And so that's that's kind of roughly how it works. But that gets front run. And then on top of that is the um, human emotion. So people that make a thousand percent gains tell their friends and their friends pile in. And that's why we see the bubble. And then as it crashes and goes to the downside, we see all the latecomers get burnt, they get scared, there's blood in the streets. And then it goes down you know, further, it's just so volatile because it doesn't have the stabilizing mechanisms really of like options markets and derivatives and mature investors and, you know, hedge funds coming in to swoop up bargains. You know, we'll, we'll get there, but at the moment, that's why it goes further to the downside than is fair value and further to, to the upside than people expect because it's it's so wild and markets are thin and whatnot. Um, on top of that general adoption, which is up and to the right, and the halving cycle. So that's basically what I'm referring to there. Yeah, right. So Alex, uh, one one thing that we've seen a lot recently in the news is NFTs, non-fungible tokens. We've seen Elon Musk uh, write a song about NFTs, sell that as an NFT, and the bid is, I think is over a million dollars at this stage. Jack Dorsey made his very first tweet, uh, NFT, and I think that sold for a couple of million dollars. Um and for a lot of people not in the crypto world, that's the exposure that they're having to NFTs. And I think you mentioned like a Lindsay Lohan tweet earlier. And like that that's the level of, un, I guess, understanding that we get from sort of mainstream media about what NFTs are. Can you uh, give us the, I guess, the NFTs 101 um, and what we should know about NFTs when we get beyond the sensationalized headlines of celebrities making millions of dollars from these sort of NFT gimmicks. Yeah. 
So it's a little bit like the ICO bubble where initially there was all these great ideas like the Golem network that you mentioned and, you know, decentralizing computer power. You know, that all that stuff was just so cool. And then ICOs just got overran with scams and just BS. And the same is happening in the NFT market at the moment. Um, so non-fungible token simply means that it's not like divisible and it has unique properties. Whereas a Bitcoin, I can have one Bitcoin and then I can send you two halves or a quarter or whatever. So I can divide it. Um, so it's divisible, it's fungible. Um, so if I have a um, a sword in a computer game can be an, an item. So an NFT can be like an in-game item or it can be an artwork like the, or it can be a song. It's just, again, it's any bit of digital information that you want to add to the blockchain that has unique properties. Um and so at the moment, NFT artwork is really taking off and people are doing things like selling, hey, I've got a one of one. So you might just sell like a Mona Lisa sort of thing. Like you're going for that scarcity aspect of famous artists that are choosing to sell their work digitally rather than in real life or NBA top shots. They're doing the little, it's like the new version of baseball cards. It's just the little um, short video grabs and someone wants to buy the Kobe Bryant one, you know, the mo- everyone wants to have the most popular one. So people are sort of paying up for these digital collectibles. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what NFTs are at the moment where people are just making this big transition to the digital world for their collectibles instead of the old world of, of baseball cards and, and, and artwork. And the reason that this is a, a bit of a game changer is because um, in the art world, the, the middleman takes 80 or 90%. And now artists are saying, oh, wow, I can sell direct to my audience. But the other big one is that they can build in ongoing commissions. And so an artist can say, um, program this NFT to give me 10% every time there's a sale. And so when it gets flipped the second time, the third time, they That's can cool. continue yeah. to That's benefit really cool. from that. Yeah. Um, the same in the music industry, you know, another one, 95% of those, the, the rights and the the marketing and all that goes to these big studios rather than the small independent artists the same with like game creation so all these all these different things um, it's rewarding the individual the the content creator and be, allowing them to connect directly to their their users um, the other one Mark Cuban the other day is talking about you know ticket sales so you can program in so people can't scout these or that or that a hundred percent of the resale, goes back to the seller of the ticket for the ah, concert so people can't scout. That's cool. So there's a lot of very cool things that NFTs are layered to do. So let me ask you the question that I know we've been asked a few times in our community around um, let's take like uh, the NBA uh, top shots uh, as an example. I they, they create an NFT of let's say a Kobe Bryant highlight um, and then I buy that NFT and I own it but it's a digital video that can be replicated hundreds of times and my i might own it but like anyone else can watch it um and same with like digital artwork and stuff like the the beauty of physical artwork is there's one artwork that you buy but like digital artwork you can replicate because it's digital so how like what what's the value proposition for owning something that can be infinitely replicated yeah um no, that, that's a really good question. That's the first, I guess, thing that pops into everyone's mind. Uh, and so the, the answer is like um, I can print out the Mona Lisa and put it on my wall in the lounge room, uh, but it's not it's not the real thing. And so it's all about, well, the connection to the artist. And in the blockchain world, in the digital world, 
all this stuff is um, interoperable. You might have heard the term metaverse, and it basically means that all these things have been bet to, um, built to a set of rules or specifications so that you can take your NFT from one game into another digital world or like onto another part of the blockchain or onto another app. And so what's going to happen is if you have the Kobe Bryant NBA top shot um, and everyone is going to be like the whole digital economy is going to be on Ethereum or one of these blockchains. And so people will look at that, like, you know, hover over it with your mouse on your website or if you're actually immersed in the actual VR in the digital world, people will look at that. And if it's a copy, they can see it's a copy or if it's the real thing, they can see it's the real thing. So it's almost like going into your collector's room at home and someone says, oh, these are all just like you know, printouts of baseball cards. You haven't got any of the real ones or any of the rare ones or, you know, no, these are all fakes. You can have them if you want, but does the the value of collecting baseball cards come from printing out the picture or actually like getting the real thing and the history and the connection to the artist? And, and on top of that, artists are like giving you extras. So if you buy the Kobe Bryant, um, for example, Top Shot, or if you buy Taylor Swift's latest song and actually pay her directly or buy a bit of art off an independent artist rather than copying it, they might give you tickets to their next online concert and only the real holders will be able to actually get access to sign into that website or to go into that virtual world where they're having a virtual concert. And they'll, you know, thank you to you guys that are the real owners and the real supporters of me. You know, here's my latest single early and only those people can access it. So you can give all these other like little perks and rights um, and it's going to be very easy to see like who's who's got fakes and who's got reels. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Alex, we are getting towards the end of the interview, but uh, we can't obviously say goodbye without asking you if there are any coins that you are particularly bullish on at the moment and perhaps why that is the case. So, uh, yeah, are there any? what's on your watch list at the moment and uh, and why would that – why? Uh, look, people are calling me a, a bear lately. And All I've right. been called a permable. I've been called a permable for nine years, and it's funny to see some people calling me a bear lately. Um, so yeah, I've been telling people to take some profits. As I said, a lot of the investments that we've made are now up over like a hundred x, and so I don't think now is a good time for people to be outlaying a lot of capital in the crypto space. One sector that hasn't boomed yet that I think is going to be next is um, the the music and and sport side of NFTs. You you. Again, within one or two years, I think you could see record labels and that be very much have a lot of their market share taken by this new digital world. Like look how quickly art has has just come and blown everyone away. Uh, I know for a fact that AFL, ICC, um, Cricket Australia, they're all about to go down this NBA top shots style of collector cards. Uh, mark, mark my words. So the next big sector is what I call Web3 or decentralized web. So more of the file storage, digital internet, decentralized VPNs. Um, you know, we don't want to have to trust an internet provider or, or trust a company that's, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about removing that need to trust a CEO, a company, a for-profit board and make every layer of the internet and the software and the hardware um, peer-to-peer. So that, along with the gaming world, is blowing up at the moment. You're going to see people going to virtual food courts to pick out their Uber Eats, virtual shopping malls um, to pick out their clothes, and then it'll get delivered to you in the real world. Um, 
people are going to be spending so much time in this digital world with their digital sort of avatars and versions of themselves, um, digital meetings. You know, COVID is just this backdrop to accelerate all of this. So you're not going to fly to Beijing for this important business meeting. You're going to go into this virtual world and all sit down at a table and chat to each other in full high definition in 3D um, in these digital blockchain worlds. And, you know, the person will have the NFT as the document to sign and, you know, you'll be able to sign it with your Ethereum keys and this will all be, you know, verifiable and you know, just every aspect of what we do is moving into this digital online world of cryptography. Pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I, I, I need a minute just to think, think all that through. But look, I'll uh, I'll keep mulling all that over uh, after this interview. Uh, we do want to end with one final question. If someone out there is listening and uh, wants to start investing in crypto, um, what advice would you give to them, and what resources aside from Nugget News uh, would you recommend to them? Uh, honestly, I think the best thing you can do, like I said, is Buy fifty or hundred dollars um, a week of Bitcoin and Ethereum, like the blue chips, and just start to have a play around with some wallets and sending uh, coins to yourself or whatever. So um, stick to the trusted like Aussie exchanges or, like you said before, um, get Bamboo. Uh, I'm working with them as well because I think that's a super easy little little way to get started. Um, but just don't. Don't go Googling or taking tips from friends or, you know, your mate said to sign up because this app, they've got this trading bot that will make you 1% a day or whatever. Like that's just when people get scammed, just trying to find the new hottest thing or taking tips from their friends. So stick to the basics and learn all those basics inside out before you get too exotic. And, you know, you're sort of joking apart from Nuggets News, but that's the hard thing. There's literally no where, like I can't really say, I'll go to this website or this website and they've got all the basics. Um, you know, Blockchain Australia, um, I was a board member there for a couple of years. They've got some some good intro stuff. But that's just where we are in the space. There's not really good education out there and good trusted resources. So that's kind of why we, we built um, all those resources that we, that we did. Mm, Fair mm. enough. So do go to Nuggets News. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like all the beginner stuff's free. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I would recommend uh, checking uh, Nuggets News um, in preparation for this interview. Uh, got pretty deep in the website, and you've also got the Collective Shift now, which is a, I guess, a, a more of a, a member-based community that you're providing both free and sort of paid resources as well. Um, so head across there and check that out. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, we wanted to like Nuggets News. We just want to make that more of the YouTube and the podcast name. So Collective Shift is kind of the new business that we've that we really want to professionalize, and we've you know, partnered up with CanStar recently and that's got a whole um, like knowledge center that we've just added AI and predictive text to for all the beginner stuff. So, yeah, we're really trying to make that the one-stop shop for everything you need and most of that's free. Yeah, nice. Uh, and just a reminder as well, Alex did mention um, Bamboo. It is that micro-investing app and, um, I mean, if the experts are partnering with them uh, and we are as well, you can go and check them out. Uh, getbamboo.io is the website and uh, you can use the code equitymates uh, and they'll throw in $10 into your account uh, when you get started. So um, it's a, a very easy way as Alex has suggested to put small amounts in over a period of time and just uh, 
let magic do its thing. Just dip your toe in the crypto waters. Yeah. You know? For those crypto curious people out there like myself who, you know, aren't an expert like Alex or aren't a massive bull like yourself, Bryce, <laughs> but are curious, it's a it's a good way to just dip the toe in. Absolutely. Well, Alex, um, look, there is a thousand more things that we could unpack and I'm sure we will certainly keep in touch and get you on the show more often as this world only becomes uh, more important to many of the Equity Mates community and, um, you know, it's just moving at such speed that uh, we need people like yourself providing uh, information uh, that is easy to understand. So thank you very much for your time today. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure and we'll um, certainly look forward to having you back again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot, guys. And yeah, thanks for giving um, your audience exposure to some crypto. Thanks, Alex. By the time we get you next on, I might have got my head around that whole uh, virtual meeting with Ethereum uh, keys <laughs> and all of that. And I may finally have a follow-up question. But until then, we really appreciate you taking the time. No worries, guys. Cheers. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.